1: Beautiful people, those of you watching on Peacock TV, welcome to another edition of Brother From Another. Those of you listening on Sirius XM Channel 85, we appreciate you watching on YouTube, listening on a podcast, however you're consuming the show. We certainly appreciate it. We've got a great show lined up for you today, and it really, before I get to that, I'm going to tell you, it hit me today. It hit me today. It is truly football season. Now, it wasn't football season last week for me. I'm just going to tell you. I'm just telling you how it affects me. It was not football season for me last week because there's something that has to happen for me to really be convinced that it's fall. Like yesterday, it was still summer. It was was summer until this morning. This morning, fall began. I'll explain in a second. Now, last week I was on Martha's Vineyard. I was having a great time. And even though I was watching a football game, Ohio State, I don't know if you heard about it, Ohio State played Notre Dame, the number two team in the country, Ohio State, beat the number five team in the country, Notre Dame. They were ranked fifth. They beat them, number two against number five, and yet they drop in the rankings. That's a different story for a different day. I'll complain about that another time. Anyway, I'm on Martha's Vineyard watching Ohio State just squeeze the life out of Notre Dame in the second half to squeeze the life out of them, but it wasn't real to me and part of the reason it wasn't real. Was I was on Martha's Vineyard. It was still summer and even though my wife was asking a lot of questions a lot of questions about Marcus Freeman. I mean like a, a, a lot a lot of questions for a married woman. She, she was asking a, a lot of questions about Marcus Freeman. Who's that? That's the coach only. That's the coach. Okay, I've never seen him before. He's a first-year coach at Notre Dame. He's married, just like you are. He's got a bunch of kids, just like you do. Stop asking about Marcus Freeman. Anyway, she's asking a lot of questions about apparently the very handsome uh, Marcus Freeman, but it was the summer. And it wasn't even fall yesterday when we started talking about some of these predictions with Jim Trotter and who's going to get it done in the NFC. It became fall this morning in the Holly household because this was the first day of school. And when you, on the first day of school, you figure out how rusty your household operation is alarm goes off. Nobody responds to the alarm. Even though we talked about it last night last night. Hey, this is what's going to happen in the morning. I know you guys are out of practice. We're gonna get up early. You're gonna make sure you got all your backpacks, all your school stuff. We're gonna eat. We're gonna be on the road at this time. Traffic is gonna be different. Alarm goes off. Nobody responds. I don't respond. Hit the snooze. Kids are grumpy. Nobody gets up. Hey, hey, Oni, Oni, you're like, am I feeding the kids? Are you feeding the kids? We're so out of practice. It is now fall, officially. That whole rhythm, the school rhythm has returned. Some of you uh, who started school a few weeks ago, you don't know what I'm talking about. Like, hey, we had this in August. I don't believe school should start anywhere in August. High school, grade school, college should not start in August. Everything should start after Labor Day. If I were president for a day, I'd make that rule. Anyway, uh, the Hollies are back. The the school going School monitoring Hollies are back in action. Football begins tomorrow and I can't wait. I also can't wait to start the show because we got some great stuff lined up for you. We'll talk with Mike Jones. Mike Jones agrees with me. I want him to explain his NFL predictions. He has some very interesting ones in USA Today. We'll talk with Mike Jones uh, toward the back end of the show right in the middle. We'll talk some basketball with Kurt Heelan. Of NBC uh, of, of, of pro basketball talk, and you can uh, hear him and, and watch him and read him on on NBC. And right now, we will talk with one of the best writers in the country. I always, I always call her one of the coming up. we talk with one of the uh, best writers in the country. I always call her one of the best football writers, but that is not accurate anymore because Shalice Manley Young, he write about football. She can write about a lot of other things. So we will come back and connect with Chalice and start off this wonderful journey. It's fall, everybody. It's a, I know you all have figured that out. I just figured it out today, this morning. I figured it out. We got to school on time, by the way. We got to school on time. Everything's cool. First day of school. Took a picture. It's a great thing. Just got to be ready for it. That first day is rough. Anyway. See you in a second, man. All right, welcome back to the show. I told you we got one of the best writers in the country <laughs> joining us right now, Shalice Manza Young of Yahoo. What's up, Shalice? What's up, Michael? I feel like we hey, could I do, do this
2: side by side.
1: I, I'm telling you, I, I know you probably like you know. I can probably reach out you somewhere around here, somewhere uh, in this area. Uh, I, I was telling people earlier that the that the school year, that that the football season really started because the school year started today. So that's when mm-hmm. that's when summer is really over. When you gotta get, when you have to get up, you don't just wake up early. You gotta get up, yes. and get going. Yes. Our, our yes. house is so out of practice. We're out of practice. I, you know, Shaleesh, I was doing like the, uh, I was doing the coaching thing after today. I was going over the films that look, we got to clean this up for tomorrow. Okay. This wasn't that tight. <laughs> we got to get this together. All right. This is what you need to do. Lay your clothes out tonight on and on. So speak, speaking of household stuff, and this is I, in the wrong hands, this would be a tricky ground to be playing on dangerous ground. Some people can make, uh, a mockery of this. They could turn this into a trivial thing. I'm not going to and I know you won't either like these reports about Tom Brady and Giselle that is so real to me mm-hmm. that because I mean, that's a that's a real life thing. You can really think about okay. What do I want out of uh, this marriage and what are our couples goals and, and what do you want out of the marriage and what are your couples goals. I can see how there's a disconnect Between Tom Brady and Giselle right now and and how playing football, even though he's the best in the world at it, how playing football right now for her could be like, what? Like, what? What are you doing, man? You're 45. I know these commentators celebrate you for being 45 and being at the top of your game. But I didn't think this would be our story at 45. I mean, this is I, I think this is fascinating. How do
2: you see it? I do. I think it's, I think it's fascinating and it just adds another layer of, I don't mean to trivialize it, but it adds another real, another layer of realness to it. Unfortunately for him, he is married to one of the most famous women in the world. um, And in many parts of the world, she is more well known than he is. Um, so their marriage is under a microscope, more so than, than most NFL players' marriages are. But, you know, Michael, I know you've been married for a long time. I've been married for 21 years. My husband and I met when we were uh, 19 years old at Syracuse. There's a lot of change and growth. And, you know, marriage can be hard. It can be great, but it can be hard. And every yeah. marriage goes through rough spots. I mean, my husband and I don't hide the fact we were separated for a year. Um, and it was a, it was a really hard year because it was my first year on the Patriots beat. Um, so while I was trying to figure that out, I had this thing happening in my personal life. Um, and fortunately for us, we endured. And, and part of it was because we had to co-parent. Um, our oldest was four years old at the time. So you know, but marriage it's it's deeply personal. It is between them, but it also you know when i found out that you and i would be talking about this today i did a little bit of of digging her birthday was toward the end of july and his instagram post was very oh i hope you have a great day but if you go back to the post that he had on her birthday in 2021 it was oh i love you so much and the similar thing in 2020 so you know i'm not usually i hate reading the tea leaves through instagram But But there's something there, you know, it wasn't, I love you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. What would I do without you? Not this year. Last year in 2020, it was, you know, I'll always be here for you. Interesting to to see. And unfortunately, playing out and, and we don't know what sort of impact this will have, because as you know, Brady is a very emotional kind of guy. And he is guarded in front of microphones, but also in a lot of ways, it, it, he kind of does where it's hard on his sleeve. And you you sort of always know right. when, when things are good with him and when things aren't so good with him. And so could it be for... Win, only four wins. No, but certainly this is something to keep an eye on because he is—he's a very emotional. You know, he has a very high emotional quotient. I guess is the way we would put it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I'm, and I'm glad we're talking about it. And I'm glad you shared that uh, about yeah, you and your husband being separated at one time. I remember talking to my niece. Uh, She's in her uh, in her twenties. I was talking to her about relationships, and she was like, "Oh." You and uh, you and auntie Oni you have the perfect relationship. No, oh, no, 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 Don't put that on us. No, we don't <laughs> No, I said, I said, no, no. We had our, <laughs> we had our struggles before we figured it out. And so it's real that you know, people have everyday struggles. And I think we do our, we do ourselves a disservice and others a disservice. We just kind of trot these marriages and these partnerships out there as if they were just fully mm-hmm. formed. And there was no, uh, there was no pressure, no adversity. That you had to go through. Uh, But another layer is the right way of putting it because we don't know. We don't know how Tom Brady responds when he has this going on in his personal life. And he had the quote uh, that Michael Smith caught on to when he said, Hey, I'm 43. You know, I got a lot of stuff going on. Paraphrase. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Oh, I'm 45. He said, I'm 45. I got a lot of stuff going on. Yes, Uh, I think a lot of people do. And you don't know how you're going to respond to it until you go through it. Now, let me switch gears. And talk about another family situation that we saw play out. But in a more congratulatory way, it was the end of of Serena Williams and her career. And part of the reason her career is coming to an end, she said she's evolving. You can see her family, her husband there. You can see her beautiful daughter there with the braids, love seeing it. And, 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 And knowing that she's got a mama who could do her hair. Uh, that would terrify mm-hmm. me. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> two of my daughters here, that would terrify me. But I'm glad she's got somebody who can do her hair. But th- the point is, I think that I think family factors into it for Serena. It was a beautiful yet sad end to her career. But I'm glad she's doing something else. And, and I'm sure like her situation, where she is now in her life, she wasn't there 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think this is informing her choices. What did you see from Serena on the court and off uh, at the US Open?
2: She was so I mean, I i watched it. And I, one of the things that I wrote, um, I in a way almost thanked her um, watching her second round match. Last week, I was sitting on my couch and was slapping the couch and yelling and was just so into it and at one point i remembered like this is why i wanted to be a sports writer um and it was it was neat you know Uh, the stuff that i've written about the last two and a half years of the columnist it's not (laughs) the fun great stuff about sports it's the really ugly side of sports oftentimes um unfortunately so to see her to see her embrace the way she was to see the standing ovations the young woman who ended up beating her whose name I would butcher, she, she did it so graciously when she was asked after the fact, you know, noting that Serena and Venus's story shows that you can do anything, you can be from anywhere and still have those dreams and still achieve those dreams. And like you said, her husband... Her daughter, you know, Olympia is so adorable, and the touch with the beads. After you know, Serena and Venus were criticized for so long for having beads in their hair; they were too loud. Sometimes they fell out, and they, they could be on the court and that sort of thing. Um, it was really just wonderful to see her finally celebrated um, in a way that she should have been for years and years and years, but wasn't. Um, and then also, you know, as a mother. It is bittersweet that, you know, as she wrote in Vogue, she wants to keep playing, but Olympia wants a younger sibling. And I assume, you know, she and Alexis want to add to their family a little bit more as well. Um, And so there's a a bittersweetness to it because she's not leaving necessarily because she has to. I mean, as we saw, she can still play with these girls, Um, but she's leaving because, you know, as a woman, she has to if she wants to grow her family um, in the way that they want to do it. And I mean, she had really serious complications in the birthing of Olympia. Um, and so I think just being able to devote herself to that and making sure that they have the right medical staff in place who will listen to her when she says, um, you know, something's wrong, whether it's during the pregnancy, during labor, uh, or immediately after, as what happened with her delivery with Olympia. So. It was really bittersweet and mostly joyous. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you felt, but it was, it was, yeah, I, it was great, do. like I said.
1: Yeah, first of all, I want to give props to everybody in New York, whether you're a New Yorker or not. You were there in Flushing Meadows. They did an awesome job. They did mm-hmm. an incredible job of just giving Serena that. You could feel the love from that crowd. <laughs> I mean, they were doing some stuff that you rarely see in tennis. Like, tennis is kind of like you know, lay back. We're going to be respectful. Like, they would boo. <laughs> they were get upset when things didn't go <laughs> Serena's way. They were all, it was like, forget about, oh, we respect both. It's not personal. We just want her mm-hmm. to win. And mm-hmm. whoever her opponent is, you in the way. <laughs> so we don't want you to do anything good. We want Serena. I just, I really love watching that. And I also like the point you made about the beads and Olympia's hair. Because as an instructor and as a teacher, like like you are, on one hand, you want to tell your students, you know, your your young writing students, okay, this is what I've done to be successful in my career. This is what I want you to do as well. I'm going to show you what I've done. I'm going to show you how to uh, make it in this industry. But on the other hand, sometimes, and you got to be careful. Some some students you can't say this to. You got to be careful. (laughs) Sometimes you say, I want you to be a rule breaker. I want you to do, I don't want you to fit in. I mm-hmm. want you it, I want you to do something that this business hasn't seen because every industry needs to be shaken up every now and then by somebody who's an artist, somebody who's really talented, somebody who has a skill set that doesn't quite fit into the mold that we think that hey, tennis is supposed to be, journalism is supposed to be, music is supposed to be. Go in there and shake it up. And I'm glad. She did. We don't look at it like that now, but think about what where Venus and Serena were when they started, and some of the commentary that they came up against, and some of the expectations. It was really annoying, and I, I, I want us to remember. And I'm glad you brought that up. It was like that. And that they had mm-hmm. to uh, they had to deal with some really uh, ignorant and at times bigoted people. I'm looking I'm looking at you, Maggie Court. <laughs> they had to deal with some people who didn't know what the <laughs> hell they were talking about, but. I'd be remiss if, if I didn't mention this on the way out. Um, Sue Bird. Sue Bird's mm-hmm. career. Another 40-plus athlete getting it done. Incredible career. I remember watching her at UConn and I never thought, I, I knew she'd be a great player. I never thought that she'd play this long and have uh, so much success. Seeing her lose last night, uh, the Seattle Storm going out to the Las Vegas Aces uh, in the WNBA this, some of the thoughts that you have about Sue Bird and what she was able to accomplish in her WNBA career.
2: Just amazing. You know, as her fellow, her peers in the game have said, she's the greatest point guard um, of all time. And I know that's stiff company. But if we're looking at accomplishments, she's one of the most accomplished basketball players period of all time. I mean, all of the Olympic gold medals. I was so fortunate. I used to cover the Connecticut sun way back in the day. So I did see her play yeah. earlier on in her, her career. Um, but also I got to see her just last summer in Tokyo. Um, and to be able to to have that experience and see her and Diana Taurasi give postgame press conference and the relationship that they have and just how amazing they've been. Um, and our, our friend Jerry Brewer from the Washington Post wrote about Sue this week, and Sue had this great quote about, you know, it it would tie to Sue coming out, you know, that Sue had known from her days in like high school, early college years that she was gay. But, you know, she was sort of painted as this all-American girl with her ponytail and everything like that. And, you know, when we use words like all-American, we don't mean lesbian. Unfortunately, uh, all the time. So she just kind of played a role and, and kept it quiet. And then a few years ago, when she came out, it just felt like this weight was lifted, that she got to be her full self. And I think that's just one of the many things, you know, we've seen her greatness on the court, but off the court, she was yet another example of, you know, here I am, I am my full self. The way that she and Megan Rapino both love each other out loud, but also, being so conscious as white women that they still have privilege and the way that they are speaking out and the way that they are fighting, you know, Sue bird is so conscious of the fact that she is in a league where like 75% of the women in the league are black women. And a lot of them are queer also, but so many of them don't look like her and are fighting battles that Sue will never have to fight. Um, Mm. you know, as a white woman from the back, from the background that she's from. And so, the same, the same as it is with Serena, the same as it is with Sue Bird, we can't forget Allison Felix, who also retired this year. Those three women and the impact that they could have even after, now that they've retired from their athletic careers, you know, Allison Felix has her own line of sneakers and is is you know so um, speaking out to make sure that other women athletes who are moms that they have grants to help with competitions and that there's you know daycare and help pay for childcare, the things that Serena has a venture capitalist firm that's going to help people of color and women who are right. so left out of that space. You know Sue Bird and the work that she and Megan Rapino have done. You know Raphael Wardak is a U.S. senator in very large part because of yes. an idea that started yes. with Sue Bird and you know the yes. WNBA you know, brought him to national attention and really massive impact. Think about what it means for this country that Raphael Warnock is a senator and that we have that 50-50 balance in the United States Senate. So those three women, we don't want to forget Sylvia Foles, who also retired this year. Um, Hopefully, whether you're a basketball fan or a track fan um, or a tennis fan, you took some time over this year to, to Watch those women in their final races, games, matches, and really appreciate the greatness. And we're still going to see them because you know I, I think they're just going to be so impactful even now that they are done playing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Warnock should have season tickets at every WNBA <laughs> venue. He should. It's not a coincidence. Polling, polling. He was not polling mm-hmm. well. All of a sudden, WNBA gets behind him, and then but Warnock he's right they wear those t-shirts. Competitive. Vote Warnock. That changed it. It was a game changer. Uh, yes. And you, Shalise Manza Young, are a game changer as well. Always appreciate <laughs> talking with you. We'll talk with you soon, my friend. Thank you.
2: You bet. Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.
0: Thank I, I was asked this question, I think, a couple, two, three years ago about uh, someone I always wanted to play with, he was the first name. Obviously, you know, I've been knowing Bron since I was a baby, but... Uh, rookie in this league, so obviously I want to play with him, but uh, just a, a player with that, you know, competitive spirit, that fire, that, uh, that wheel, that dog, you know, that, that nastiness, that grit, you know, to have a running mate like that, you know, I've, I've, I've never had that, so I'm, I'm super excited. I'm super excited to see where it goes. Obviously, like any relationship or any marriage, you know, things, you know, we go to have tough conversations. I mean, that's, that's, that's what comes with winning, but I'm excited about those conversations. I'm excited about the practices and I'm I'm just excited to be able to compete with someone like that. I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna compete at the highest level, um, and I'm gonna have fun doing it. So thank you. Love that, brother. First dime of the year. Thank you.
1: (laughs) All right. As uh, Pat Beverly, Lakers press conference. He's gotten around. He used to be with the Clippers. Moved out with the uh, was with the Timberwolves, and they shipped him to Utah. I'm thinking, okay, Pat Bev in Utah and now, Kurt Heelan, uh, Utah is in cell mode. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> Utah in a cell mode. They get him to the Lakers. And I'm wondering, uh, Kurt, how's this going to work? How's this going to work? Pat Beverly, point guard. Russell Westbrook, point guard starting lineup together is Beverly going to replace yeah. like what, How's this gonna work? What's 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 up? You're leaving out the best part
3: of that, which is LeBron James is the actual point guard. Like you're not taking the ball out of LeBron's <laughs> hands, right? Like, right? That's right. Like, at the end of the day, LeBron is the point guard. Darvin Ham comes in talking about wanting to run the offense through um, Anthony Davis more. So look, I don't right now is the time of year. Every, everybody's just starting to work out together. There's no pressure. You know everybody's singing kumbaya and they're just happy and everybody like everybody's good right now everybody's on the same page there's we'll see what happens when there's hey the first time russell westbrook gets benched at the end of the game for beverly's defense or or you know they lose three in a row they actually have a brutal like first two weeks of the, the lakers have a tough first couple of weeks of the season what if they start off two and four or something so we'll see what happens when there's actual pressure um My guess is though that they both start one and two, LeBron, Davis, and we'll see. Are they they gonna go smaller and start Reeves? Do they go big and start Bryant, you know, Thomas Bryant at center and have Anthony Davis four? We'll see where they want to go. I think you're gonna see a lot in the preseason with the Lakers and a lot of early in the season. They're just gonna be moving stuff around. They're trying to figure it out. But the real test comes to me, Michael. It's like, hey, everybody can say all the right things. What happens when the when there's actual pressure when russell westbrook isn't getting the ball like he hey, he's saying all things right things about defending and playing a role willie how how is beverly going to react to that like i just it's easy when there's no strain on anything
1: yeah and and, and i mentioned how how beverly got there you know through uh, you know yeah. somehow minnesota through utah utah wow uh, I thought yeah. they might move one of those guys. I thought they might move Gobert. And and actually, actually I thought Gobert would stay because I didn't think a team would give up five first-round picks for him. Uh, I thought he would be there and then Donovan Mitchell would leave. But they're both yeah. gone. So Donovan Mitchell to the Cavaliers, not to the Knicks, but to the Cavaliers. And wow, a- incredible from both ends of it. Let's focus on the Utah end. Uh, of, of what their vision is because uh, is it OKC 2.0 is that what they're doing or do you see something else that Danny Ainge has in mind for the Utah Jazz?
3: No, first off, if you've got a really nice built sandcastle at the beach, like don't let Danny Ainge near it. Danny Ainge likes to tear things down, man. He just he loves he to burn. It <laughs> um, and I think that's what happened here. He came in and I think by the way, it's an interesting discussion on a broader point. Like, this team was going to be good. They, they had the best record in the NBA for years. I also think there was a ceiling. I do not think that that team, as constructed, was likely to win a title without a whole lot of breaks going their way. I just don't think they were going to be good enough. Um, and Gobert and Mitchell together in the, in the postseason was a bit of a problem. But in Utah, or if you're in some markets, is being good, good enough? Like, I think that there was some explanation needed to Salt Lake City fans. Like, hey, we weren't a championship team, so we're tearing this thing down to the studs and rebuilding. And that is the plan, by the way. They're not done. Pat Beverly's gone. You can bet Bajan Bogdanovich will be traded. Jordan Clarkson might be the first one to go because he makes a very tradable salary. And, by the way, kind of an obvious fit. He's a sixth-man Volume score, like you can plug him in, play him on virtually every team. Beasley's there. You can go on down. those They've got guys. They're going to trade. They're not done yet. They're they're going to start moving everybody. They are they are all in for a Mambiamba sweepstakes, whatever we're going to end up calling this thing, man.
1: Yeah, but but I'm wondering, like, does that work? I mean, does work? You know, Danny Ainge, he did it here. He didn't build a championship team that way the first time? Like this whole tear down, you know, you know, trading Antoine Walker and he had conversations about trading Paul Pierce, but they never did. Okay, they won the championship because he went out and you got Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. And so they haven't won a championship since. I guess trading KG and Paul Pierce and bringing in, they almost, you could say he almost did it with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but yeah, I mean, that's you know, that was no, that trade, that Brooklyn trade that happened in 2013. And so they just got, they just got to the NBA finals in 2022. It doesn't work. You can't wait eight, nine years
3: to build a championship team. It doesn't work. What Sam hinkey taught, I think, I think what the lesson everybody around the league took away from that is A, don't go all the way down because like your owner isn't going to tolerate it. And then there will be pushback. The second lesson though, was get a lot of bites at the apple, get as many picks as you can use your own picks because you're going to miss. You're going to, you're going to draft Jaleel Okafor and Ben Simmons and you're going to miss and you just have to find your Embiid. Right. And then you build out from there. And I think that that's what you're seeing Utah do, which is I want as many unprotected picks as I can get. And by the way, I might rather have two unprotected picks from the Knicks, who are, I feel are more likely to, well, screw this up, than I am Cleveland, <laughs> where they could be really good for a long time with a young core. Yeah. Like, I, I, um, and that said, look, I think that that's what all these guys are doing. They're like, we're just going to take a lot of bites at the apple. We're going to get it. Maybe we get lucky and get somebody at the top of the, you know, they get Scooter, they get Wemba Yamanek this year, and they this thing turns becomes their John Morant, and they flip this thing really quick. Or maybe they draft, you know, your Kawhi Leonard or your Giannis Antetokounmpo middle of the first round somewhere, and it takes three or four years to develop him, but he gets there. Either way, I think that that's the plan. We'll see how much patience they have for that. I think, look, in Utah, in Salt Lake City, that is such a committed fan base. There is not... I don't think you can do that everywhere. You absolutely can do it in Los Angeles. I mean, in Salt Lake City.
1: All right, so I, I want to ask you on the on, on way out, last thing, um, I'm looking at Cleveland now with four <clears> All-Stars, not like four potential. Like, these are four All-Stars. Evan Mobley's ter- terrific already. I mean, I can't believe... Uh, the rookie year that he had, I thought he was good in college. I didn't think he would be so good so soon in the pros. I love Jared Allen and his defense and his, and his perspective, just like how he fits into that uh, uh, Cleveland's team concept. Then you got Garland and you got Mitchell. So four all-stars all under contract for the next three or four years, all under 30. Under 26. I'm not, I, I I don't have them as uh, a championship team next year because they don't have the collective experience. That's the only reason I'm saying, uh, not yet, but I can see Cleveland for the next two, three years doing some real damage. Uh, What do you see there?
3: Absolutely. Look, they've got to do, they're going to have to find somebody at the three and by the way, somebody who can defend because if you're going to have that Mitchell- you, with Mitchell and Garland in the backcourt, you run the yeah. potential risk of being Portland and just being too small in the postseason. So you better have somebody at the three who can switch. but the And the other thing that has to happen, Mobley, I love Mobley. I'm really high on how he played this year. But if if they're really going to contend, he has to be a number one option. He has to be an a all-NBA level player. I think he can get there in a couple of years. All that said – that team is set up for long-term success and some flexibility and that they can make moves now over the next three to five years. If, And I guess the real question becomes, like, if they make all this stuff and they're winning, does Donovan Mitchell want to leave? Does he suddenly want to go to New York? Or is he, Michael, does he think, you know, I like pierogies, man. I'm, I'm good here. I'm going to stay in Cleveland.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think probably, he'll probably want to go to New York. Like, We're talking about the next, you know, long-term success. We know what that means in the NBA. Long-term success is like two years, you know, two to three years. (laughs) And then we got to revisit, you know, like thinking about five to seven years is just not viable in today's NBA. Kurt Heelan, always appreciate the time, man. Uh, Can't wait to see how the season plays out. And it's going to, I mean, it's already September. We got training. This is training camp month. Season starts next month. Man, it's the best time of year. It really is. Football, Uh, baseball, playoffs, basketball.
3: It's it's about a fun time to buy WNBA playoffs like you were talking about last. uh, I'm Aja Wilson winning the MVP of the WNBA. She's, look, man, I'm all good with it.
1: Thanks a lot, Kirk. Good to see you, man. You too. Well, Las Vegas has spoken, and as many people have said correctly, in the past Vegas was not built because the house has lost money. No, no, the house usually wins and we're the losers. We're the losers. So Vegas uh they know a lot more than we do. They're more, right more than they're wrong. And so they got the bills as Super Bowl favorites for the first time in 30 plus years. All that being said, Mike Jones, I think I'm going to say Vegas is wrong. And you agree with me because I read USA Today and I saw the predictions of Mike Jones. And you have Buffalo having a terrific season, just like I do. You got Buffalo winning the AFC East, just like I do. Yep. But no, no, no. Uh, No Buffalo winning the Super Bowl. Why not?
4: Because they're going to lose in the Super Bowl to the Rams who are going to repeat so great year MVP season for Josh Allen win the AFC finally get over that hump and get into the Super Bowl but they're going to fall short so sorry Vegas
1: no no thank you all right so let's 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 park on that curb there for a second because you said something that I don't hear a lot of people saying and I keep asking myself why don't people say this more I know I know uh, that we haven't had a repeat champion since the Patriots did it in 2004 back to back, but the Rams have Matthew Stafford coming back. The Rams mm-hmm. have Aaron Donald coming back. They've got a coach who's under 40 and has already accomplished more than like, like 90% of coaches in NFL history. It's amazing what uh, the run the Sean McVay is on. We know that they are, will go all in. Yeah, they lose Von Miller, but they bring in Bobby Wagner got Jalen Ramsey back like Cooper Cup. Why aren't more people predicting that the Rams will repeat as Super Bowl champs. Why not?
4: I I really don't know. I don't know if it's like you said it's something that we haven't seen um, or what but this team not only will they have Stafford who's got It will have another year of familiarity of working with Sean McVay and all those cornerstones that you mentioned, Aaron Donald, uh, Jalen Ramsey, adding Wagner, Cooper Cup back and everything like that. But they're constantly retooling. They're constantly loading. There's no complacency there. And they're just so talented, um, not only from a player standpoint, but from a coaching staff standpoint um, and, and talent evaluation as well. So when you look at all the other teams in the NFC, I have questions about every single one of them questions about uh, the the Bucks and Tom Brady and you know do they still have um, that edge that mental edge that fire that it takes questions about the Packers Uh, do does Aaron Rodgers have the tools to work with now um, that Devontae Adams is gone I've got questions about everybody across the board in the NFC except for the Rams and so that's why they're my pick
1: and you know there's another thing about the Rams that that really stands out and I guess On one hand, it's a commentary about the NFL's hiring practices. Uh, The Rams won't complain right now because they have the benefit of having a really talented defensive coach on the staff and Raheem Morris. Now, last year, they have one of their coordinators goes and is the head coach in the Minnesota Vikings now, Kevin O'Connell, but they got Morris back. And Sean McVay has said to anyone who will listen how big Raheem Morris has been for him and how he confides in him and how... Morris, you know, will, will pick up things and detect things that Sean McVay won't necessarily do on his own, and he'll bring it to McVay, and that makes him a better team. I, I mean, I just really think for a Super Bowl champion, they didn't get, um, they, they weren't pilfered and plundered like a lot right. of Super Bowl champions are. Well, they're up against the cap and everybody is rating their coaching staff and their best players or their secondary players go and take better deals. I think they're really well positioned for a nice little run here.
4: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And look, Kevin O'Connell very sharp, very bright, um, talented coach, but let's be honest this is Sean McVay's offense he's the the offensive architect and play caller Um, they have Thomas Brown who's the uh, running backs coach assistant head coach who is another talented up and coming guy who is right there joined at the hit with Sean McVay Um, they have a lot of talented guys on that coaching staff Uh, so I don't expect their offense to drop off and like you said Raheem Morris it's like having another uh, head coach um, another set of eyes a guy who's been through a lot seen a lot coached a lot of talented players so I agree with you Um, And and you just you can't overlook um, the way that McVeigh and Les Snead work together when it comes to um, deciding what the grocery list is and then going out and getting it and finding exactly the pieces that fit what Sean McVeigh wants. They're able to do that again and again and again. And so that's why we saw them build this thing from nothing. We saw them get to the Super Bowl, fall short, and then boom, bounce back and get back there relatively quickly despite retooling on the fly. I just have a lot of confidence in what they're doing and the way they're doing it.
1: All right. I I, I could say publicly, I could say that I'm not much of a gambler. I could say that because that's what you're supposed to say. Okay. But yeah, I'm a gambler. I'm a gambler. I gamble a little bit. Mike Jones, I gamble a little. It's good. It's legal uh, throughout most of the country. Definitely legal in Vegas. And if I had, let's say, a spare 100 200 $300 just kind of floating out there and I wanted to invest my dollars, you know what I would do? I'm telling you. You want to talk about a slept on franchise. This is, this is really rich coming from me a slept on franchise according to Vegas. Cincinnati Bengals. So Bengals Rams play a great Super Bowl last year. Right Bengals really right there down to the end. It really come came down to the last play. The Bengals. I saw one um, projection where they're like plus I think 1100 or something like that. So it's, it, it, it's a great opportunity to make some money but money aside Vegas aside Cincinnati is playing in a division and you uh, incorrectly have the Ravens winning it I don't know what's wrong with you but they're playing a the division the Browns no Deshaun Watson for most of the season it's going to be a bad season in Cleveland I'm going to say it right now bad season Right. Right. Pittsburgh got Mitch Trubisky at quarterback They'll probably switch out to rookie Kenny Pickett. It's not gonna be uh, a you're, you're
4: burying Mitch Trubisky already,
1: huh? Yeah, oh yes I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Okay. Yes, okay. I wanted Kenny Pickett. Yes. I wanted Kenny Pickett to be the starter. Uh he's and, not and ready. With, with... He's ready. He's ready. Mitch he's Trubisky's not ready. not ready either. Mitch Trubisky, the only thing Mitch Trubisky has is a birth certificate advantage. That's it. Only advantage is birth certificate. He's not a better player in the
4: NFL. He's gone against NFL defenses. Hey, look, don't get fooled by what you saw in the preseason. Hey, don't get fooled by what you saw in the preseason. Hey, there was a lot wrong in Chicago. I mean, why is Matt Nagy not there anymore, right? I mean, there was a lot Mm. wrong there. So I'm Mm. not saying that Mitch Trubisky is trash. Um, I think of the quarterbacks they have on their roster, he is the best option right now. Um, there's Ooh. a lot of things that well, defensive coordinators will throw at Kenny Pickett that will confuse him and force him into mistakes because he's not ready yet. Yeah, temporarily. Yeah, conf- so right temporarily, now, and
1: then yeah, and then he'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. I, I always do. Like you know, I, I love him when, when when people talk like this. You like, oh wow, some things he's never seen before. Like most quarterbacks, most even a talented one, like the ultra talented you know, can't miss prospects. Yeah. Your first few NFL games, you're going to see some stuff that you haven't seen before and then it's football and you'll figure it
4: out. So, but you're Kenny counting Pickett, on Kenny Pickett, we'll having, you know, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I just, I just don't think that you want to start him right now. You know, I think you want to let okay. him ease his way in. You know, he could wind but up, being, you know, is, phenomenal.
1: Okay. My point is transition in Pittsburgh transition in Cleveland and and Baltimore is Baltimore, but Cincinnati has done it. We've seen it. They've improved their team.
4: Right. So why
1: not Cincinnati? Why have you, I'm calling you out now, Mike Jones, people like you, why have you not given Cincinnati, this is hilarious, why have you not given Cincinnati the credit that Cincinnati deserves?
4: Because, like, throughout the long storied history of the NFL, that team that loses in the Super Bowl, it is really hard to get back. They struggle just to make the playoffs uh, traditionally. I am really curious to see what Cincinnati does with success um, once they have expectations. Um, I went up there, spent some time in training camp, and everybody, you know, they're saying all the right things. They're not resting on, you know, their accomplishments from last year. Um, they're, They're still hungry and everything like that, but it's, it's really tough to get back to the mountaintop. Um, and so I, I, I don't know if they can get this thing. They surprised a lot of people last year. I don't know if they are have a, fully arrived as one of those squads. Because, I mean, we saw even the Rams, as talented as they were, struggle yeah, to get yeah. back to the Super Bowl. You know, the team that loses, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not automatic bounce back.
1: Yeah, I just I, I just, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. This is interesting. Now, I do, like, historically, you're 100% accurate. History is on your side. But I just find it curious. The Cincinnati got it done last year, went on the road, knocked off the number one seed in Tennessee.
4: Went on the Which road. That was more, to, wait, was that more to do with Cincinnati or was that Tennessee went in the bed?
1: No, it was Cincinnati. Yeah, it had to do with Cincinnati. Yes, they won on the road. Tennessee didn't wet the I'm bed. I'm going to give it to them. Okay. And, okay. Oh, sure, both things can be true. And they beat Kansas City on the road. Yeah, you can say Kansas City collapsed. But you know what? Cincinnati did last year twice. Twice yeah. beat the true. Kansas City Chiefs. And so, hey, Kansas City melted down. But they were able to take advantage of the meltdowns. So they've done this. They've gotten it done. It's not projection. It's what they've done yet. Everyone talks about Buffalo like Buffalo being this favorite Buffalo hasn't gotten it done. Buffalo. Uh, didn't win close games last year, Buffalo, they, they didn't win. They didn't win close games. So this is what you're going to have to do in the playoffs if games are going to be close ultimately and you're going to have to step up and do it and last year in those situations, they were 0 right. six. So we're projecting right. We're saying what Buffalo will be able to do to win the Super Bowl, not get to the Super Bowl, but win it. And since they're gonna win the Super Bowl there.
4: Yeah, but I don't have Buffalo winning. I have them getting there because they they continue, they're like the Rams in that they continue to reload and add and strengthen their roster. Um, Josh Allen continuing yeah. to learn and ascend. So Love I him. think you're going Love to see him. another another a leap forward out of them. Um, you know, won't quite be enough. But I think that when it comes to the AFC, I think that they can get it done.
1: All right, Uh, tell me this before we go. Um, Who's gonna disappoint? There's always a team that's not as good as we think uh, they're gonna be. Who's that team? Who's that team that we're gonna go, uh, we're gonna look at in January and February and say, man, what the hell happened to them? Who's that team?
4: I've got Tampa Bay being one of those teams that really disappoints um, is not what we thought they were gonna be and I have Tennessee, being another big disappointment because they fell short last three years in the playoffs. Last year they really had a good opportunity, didn't get it done. I think they really disappoint as well.
1: Mike Jones, you did not disappoint today. Always appreciate talking to you. Look forward to a great season with you. Talking some more football.
4: All right, thanks for having me.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards.